All right. Good evening. Today is Thursday, November 17th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is uh, A Vision for You, and our speaker tonight is Stephanie M. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie M., Recover Compulsive Overeater, Exercise Bulimic. Um, thank you for asking me to speak tonight. It was so long ago that I agreed to this. I think it was Elena. But anyway, um, I love this meeting. I'm so happy to be here. And um, and I didn't used to love this chapter, A Vision for You, but I do now because um, I understand it differently than I did in the past. And I'll just say um, my like under 10 words recap of this chapter is that not eating sucks and uh, service is what makes it bearable and service is where real life begins. Um, and I know it's the steps and your connection with your higher power and that's what makes it all bearable. But really, I don't know about any, for anyone else, when I got recovered, I was terrified of what to do with myself next. Like, what do I do when I'm not obsessing with food? Um, and, and I didn't know who I was. Um, and the next thing I did was get sponsees and start sponsoring and, you know, got into service. And like, that is where my life got bigger. Um, and I learned all those things that I didn't know about myself. So to start at the beginning um, and to qualify, I have been in program for, it'll be four years on January 11th. Um, and I have a little over two years of abstinence, um, but I have been recovered. Um, so my abstinence was originally no binging. I did that for a really long time and I kept failing at it uh, because I was still eating my alcoholic ingredients. And it wasn't until I got recovered, which um, I think it's been like seven or eight months that I've been recovered that that life really changed and that my abstinence went from this thing I was like gripping onto and always at risk of losing to like just how I live my life. Um, and, and that has been wonderful um, and not what I expected. I really, because I had so much time, not so much time, but three years in the rooms of um, with an abstinence that was painful, I just, I didn't know that there was another way. And I'm so, so relieved that I found it. Um, that my higher power led me to it really. I didn't do anything, but, um, but I am a compulsive overeater. I have been my entire life. Um, and I, uh, I'll start with the passage <laughs> from a vision for you. So the first paragraph, I'll just read it for most normal folks. I'm going to substitute in eating. Eating means conviviality, companionship, and colorful imagination. It means release from care, boredom, and worry. It is joyous intimacy with friends and a feeling that life is good. But not so with us in those last days of heavy eating. The old pleasures were gone. They were but memories. Never could we recapture the great moments of the past. There was an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did and a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. There was always one more attempt and one more failure. And this was my experience. Um, and it was always, I was always holding on to this idea or this memory of like the one time that I ate cake and was able to be present at a wedding. And surely that meant I could do it again. Or the one time I didn't finish the pint of ice cream or the other time that I forgot there was ice cream in the freezer. Surely that is proof that I can do this and I am a normal eater. And I just, you know, I clung on to those for so long. And meanwhile, um, my life 
got worse. And, you know, I was always, I never gained a lot, a lot of weight. I think, I mean, I stopped weighing myself at my absolute worst, but I, I think I could safely say that I gained about 60 pounds max. Um, and, and that wasn't until the very end. It was always like 20 pounds, 20 pounds up, 20 pounds down, 20 pounds up, 20 pounds down. But it was my life's work was losing this weight. That's, that's the only thing I cared about, you know, and I couldn't stop eating and I couldn't stop working out and I couldn't stop obsessing. And all of my friends were hitting these milestones, you know, and I just wasn't, I couldn't maintain a relationship. I was always about to get fired. I was always really angry. Um, and I was isolating and I didn't, you know, people were in the way life was in the way from me eating and me having that cake and proving that this time is going to be different, you know, and, or whatever the thing was for me, it was chocolate chip cookie dough. Um, but life got worse. I wanted to be rescued. I ran out of options and someone, a therapist recommended OA and I laughed in her face. Um, but then a year later, a very dear friend invited me to her fifth birthday in AA to give her a cake. And I went and my mind was blown because I heard my story. Um, and, and it still took me like four months to come to OA because I was, I was certain that I was a normal eater and I could just prove it. Um, but then I went to vacation, uh, a really incredible vacation in South Africa. And I spent the entire time hiding and sneaking food and stealing food. And I just, I couldn't be there. And I was so miserable. And again, my weight was going up and up and up. And, and I gained 40 pounds in four months. And I finally came back from that trip and went to my first meeting. Uh, so that was almost four years ago. And back to the, back to vision for you. So then I spent three years um, trying to be abstinent and eat sugar, which for me does not work. Um, but this passage now and then a serious eater being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem eaters, we smile at such a Sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen bites and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again for he isn't happy about his sobriety, his absence. He cannot picture life without food. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with food or without it. Then he will know loneliness as such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. And this was my experience with sugar. Um, I was, my life was getting better, like in abstinence, in program, working the steps, sponsoring, being of service, everything in my life got better, but I was still deep down obsessed with food. And I still had this idea that like, one day I might get pregnant and then I'm definitely going to break my abstinence and it will be justified. Or the women in my family live to be about 110 and they all go senile at like 80 and that was when I was really going to go out. Like, these are the things I was looking forward to is like, when, I, when do I get to eat? When is it going to be okay? And like, bye world, I don't care about you. Um, and that was me in abstinence. And I just, it was painful. It was really, really painful trying to hold on to this thing and also having, you know, a head full of program and, and then still showing up to meetings and saying things like, I had a big food day yesterday, or like I'm abstinent technically, but I feel insane. 
And um, it just didn't work for me, you know, and I, and also the more recovery I got, the more I worked the steps, the more I sponsored, the like bigger glimpse I had of like what it could be like, you know, it's like everything was better and I would feel these moments of serenity, but then I would tell myself I could eat sugar and I was just back, back into the struggling and the like the deep down knowing that what I really wanted was to eat. Um, so fortunately last year, I don't know this year, um, in the spring, I, I had watched two fellows that I know from the LA rooms and based in Los Angeles, uh, put down their alcoholic ingredients and we worked the steps and, and just transformed. They went from saying the things that I was saying earlier, like I'm technically abstinent, but I feel insane to just talking about the big book, talking about service, talking about higher power. And, uh, and it blew my mind and I wanted what they had. And I knew that what I was doing wasn't working. And, and the, the cherry on top of the cake I'll never eat again was that uh, I went on a trip with my boyfriend at the time and we were driving back and it was our first trip together. And he looked at me and he said, are you sure you even like me? Because sometimes you're really mean. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because I had spent the entire trip irritated that he was there because of all the food he would he had brought and then irritated that he was there because he was interrupting me eating all of the food that he had brought and then desperate for him not to leave me alone because I couldn't eat I couldn't binge that was my absence so uh so I asked one of those fellows to take me through the steps so that's how I got recovered uh and sure enough I I got recovered and the food was down and it was no longer an issue. And I was terrified because I like, what do I do now if I'm not uh, trying to lose five more pounds? If my life's work is bigger than that, you know, if I'm not uh, browsing uh, menus online or recipes for the weird concoctions I'm going to make that are technically abstinent or, you know, just all of the stuff that took up my entire life. I don't know how I had time for other things. Uh, but fortunately, my higher power had a plan and I did. And so, so sponsoring, and that's what, you know, this, this next part that I want to read. Minutes. That's 10. Thank you. Yes, there is a substitute and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus, we find the fellowship, and so will you. And that's what I was talking about, you know, like the service. The service is what is where real life starts. And for me, it's so easy to get back into self-obsession. I had a traumatic childhood. I did. I'm a compulsive overeater. That's a bummer. Uh, it's, it's easy to play the victim and feel sorry for myself. But as soon as I start asking other people what's going on with them, or sponsoring, or you know, do it, taking a service commitment at a meeting, I get out of my head, and it feels incredible, and it feels really good to make connections, real connections with people, because I spent so much of my life pushing people away and hiding, and and being ashamed and thinking that no one would ever understand, and surely I wasn't lovable because I'm a garbage person. Look at what I did, you know. I mean, I know you guys know because we talk about it and it just it never in a million years would have occurred to me that being of service would make me feel better. 
because I have a scarcity mentality. I think there isn't enough of anything, time, love, money, food, um, anything. And, and this morning I was in a meeting and someone was leading who I asked to speak and she was talking about uh, a new relationship and I'm, I'm newly single. And my knee jerk reaction was, oh no, someone is new that now I'm definitely not going to find someone. And that's insane, but that's my first thought. That's what I grew up with. That's what I have. But my second thought was, wait a second, this is so silly. And like, oh, I'm so happy for her that she's happy. And, you know, and, and also this has nothing to do with me. Um, and in the past, I would have been, I probably would have spent the day being mad at her because she took something from me, you know, and it's just, I have this totally different way of life because of this book and this program. And, and I just, it never would have occurred to me. That's not what I got from my childhood. And I get to grow up in these rooms. Like that's the other thing is by making connections with real people. Um, I, I grew up emotionally, socially, all of those things that I just, I didn't know how to do. And I felt so broken. They just happened. Uh, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And today my higher power is abundance for a while. And when I first came into program, it was a loving mom, God, because I just didn't feel like I had that as a kid and I really needed it. And now it's shifted. And I, um, yeah, I am, I still have this scarcity mentality. So if my higher power is abundance, there's nothing to be afraid of. I'm always going to get what I need. And it might not be the thing that I have my eye on, but it's, that means it's something better. Uh, so today what's happening with me is my life is abundant. Like I have this really big, incredible life. I have, um, three sponsees. I, um, of service. I'm on the OALA board. I have service commitments and meetings. Um, I speak when I'm asked, uh, but more importantly, my relationships are so much bigger than they ever were because they show up authentically, which is something I just, I didn't know how to do before. And sometimes, and I was talking to a sponsor about this earlier this week, sometimes I catch myself and I have to say, wait a second, I don't know why I just said that that's not true because I, I was a liar for so long, you know, and I have to stop and correct and, and show up differently. But even that is like so freeing because it's, um, it's an authentic, like human reaction. I made a mistake. Who would have thought that was okay? I did not. I did not think it, I was allowed to make a mistake. And so, um, what else do I want to say? Oh, I get so nervous every time I share and then I end up speaking really quickly. So I'm going to slow down. Um, but what, I, oh, today. So today I, um, I'm turning 40 in a week, which is wild. Uh, actually a week and a day on Thanksgiving. And uh, I am in the process of becoming a foster parent, which is something I've always wanted to do. And I never thought I could. And I, I just had a million reasons why I wasn't um, good enough or ready. And then all of a sudden something shifted a month ago. And I was like, now's the time I'm ready. And I'm terrified, but also I have a higher power and and there's a plan. And I just, I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm so excited uh, to, to have gotten, thank you. Because I wouldn't, I don't think I would have without this program and without abstinence and entire abstinence, because I still would be 
really busy browsing recipes or, um, you know, exercising. That's the other thing, my compulsive exercising, which I didn't think would happen, but it is just lifted in that it was always a response to the overeating. Um, and it was never, you know, I still, there's days where I think like, oh, I haven't exercised in this long and that's, that's not okay. And I have to, it's the same as the lying or the, you know, the like being angry that someone else got something good. Like it's my first thought and it's a thought and I can't control it. And then I can have another one and course correct, but it isn't like it was in the past, right? I thought I was a bad person if I didn't work out. And so much of that is because I'm not, um, I'm not responding to the craziness with the food. And so there's nothing to correct, which is so great. And the thing I've been reckoning with lately that a sponsor said to me is, what if there's nothing else wrong with you? Because I've spent my entire life trying to fix myself, whether it's the weight or you know, just hating myself in general or the job I'm about to get fired from or being single or whatever it is, it's always something that needs to be fixed. And now what if there's nothing else wrong with me and I get to just show up and be of service and be open to whatever my higher power has to offer me and has in store for me and say yes, uh, when what I really want to do is hide. And, and that's truly scary because again, like, what am I going to do with all that time? I've spent so much time trying to fix myself and stay busy. And, and it's really exciting. And I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, again, I'm so grateful. And I, the last part of, um, of this chapter that I want to read is just the very end, which we hear all the time. And I used to not like this because I was in a meeting where they always said, uh, we closed the meeting with either a vision for you or on awakening. And I always preferred on awakening and people always read a vision for you. And the only reason I preferred on awakening is because I'm a morning person and I wanted it to be all about me. But now I love this passage. So I'm just going to read it. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. We realize we know only a little. I need to tell myself this all the time. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I love this. This is in direct contrast to everything that I always thought. You know, like admit your faults to him and your fellows. Be honest. Um, clear away the wreckage of your past. I thought nothing was forgivable. I thought I was the worst person and everything I had done was the worst and no one could ever forget it. And so I just wasn't going to bother. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. I had to be in control of everything. And it's just, you know, it's a practice. It doesn't have, like, there's not a, a switch that got flipped when I got recovered and suddenly everything was okay. Like, this is still a struggle. I constantly have to get out of my own will. I constantly have to surrender. Um, 
it's hard. It's really hard. And I'm always finding new places where I, I, I don't even realize I'm still holding on. But the practice, like, some of it is just so natural and it's in for me and helping others and being of service and out of self-obsession. So I imagine I'm almost out of time, hopefully, probably. Uh, so I, oh, brilliant. Um, so thank you for letting me be of service. It is saving my life. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was awesome. Thanks for sharing. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week, which is a vision for you. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. So if you'd like to share or if you'd like to ask a question, please raise your virtual hand which is under reactions, or I don't think anyone's on a phone, but if you are at star nine, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Um, so Melissa, would you set the timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? All right, so anybody who'd like to share, go ahead. All right, first up we have Wendy F followed by Angela G. Go ahead, Wendy. Hi, I'm Wendy F. Um, in California, I'm a recovering compulsive reader. It's going to be a really short share because I'm just like welling up. Um, so I've been in a surrendered state for like 38 days. It's only now like occurring to me, like the potential of my life. And um, just hearing the story about becoming a foster mom. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that's so huge and it's really beautiful. And, you know, I've, I've talked to you and I've seen you on meetings and stuff and, you know, seven months, like you're a new, you must be a new person, like from sharing, like just all these things. I, it's like, it doesn't happen. It's not a slow thing. It's like, when you surrender, it's like instant, it's instant. And, um, took me so long to give up certain, um, certain ingredients. And, you know, the story about the alcoholic and, and not wanting to, you know, wanting to still have fun and wanting to do all that stuff. Like my thing I wouldn't give up was actually alcohol. And it's not because it was, um, it's not because I'm addicted to it. It's because it, it represented to me a fun life and a carefree life. And, the sugar of the alcohol, even if it was once every two weeks or whatever, it was keeping me a prisoner. And um, anyway, I'm just really grateful. I'm feeling really hopeful. These tears are happy, honestly, but <laughs> thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Wendy. Um, next up, we have Angela followed by Roberto. Hey everyone, I'm Angela G, a compulsive overeater and bulimic, um, living in a recovered state for today. Um, so wonderful being here tonight. Stephanie, thank you so much for your share. Um, so much resonated with me. Um, I took lots of notes. Uh, some of the points that really resonated were that relationships are bigger now. And, uh, you know, I can speak to that uh, so 
you know, my relationship with my partner right now, my girlfriend is I've never had a relationship with someone in program and this ability to kind of really talk about the real stuff and, um, and have those difficult discussions. I mean, this is like, unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Um, what if there's nothing else wrong with me? Oh my God. You know, like I'm always picking myself apart and I'm always trying to figure out like, how do I process this? And how do I process that? And when do I get to the bottom of that? You know, like, what if there's just full acceptance about where I am right now? And the last thing that you said that really resonated was like, just knowing that, you know, I really feel like for myself, I'm in exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. You know, like I look at, you know, it's probably an AA thing, but like, look at where your feet are. That's where you are. Right. Like, but it's like, I so believe like in my heart that this program and my process right now of recovering um, from my addictions around food, like this is like the most important thing right now. You know, my connection with my higher power, this is it. This is my work, you know, and uh, the people around me are respecting it and honoring it. And um, so I know that those are the people that I'm supposed to have around me right? They're accepting me for exactly where I'm at. So anyway, just really great hearing you, Stephanie. Thank you so much for everything, hearing it all. Um, wonderful being here. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Angela. And next up, we have Roberto followed by Leslie. Hello, everyone. I'm Roberto. I'm a compulsive overeater. <clears throat> Very grateful to be here. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for that beautiful share. That was amazing. There was so much that I related to, um, especially at the beginning, you said that life was in the way, um, in the way of you getting to, to the food. And I could just um, specifically relate to that because um, that mixed with relationships, with the relationship with my kids. When I was in the disease, I, I, I everything that they asked me for was an inconvenience. I mean, I just... Um, I couldn't get out of bed to give him a bowl of cereal. I didn't want to do it. Um, I didn't want to do it because it was an inconvenience because I wanted to just eat that ice cream in front of Netflix. And I just, I didn't want to do that. And, and, it, and it made me feel terrible. And I knew that it was wrong. And yet I couldn't stop doing it. Or when I took him to a museum downtown, I, I couldn't be present with them because all I could think about was going down the street to get that pizza after they were done in the museum. And it just... I was always on the way to the food and everything else was in the way um, and, and I, I couldn't be present. And when you said that relationships are bigger now, I could also relate to that because that's exactly how I feel with my kids now. And um, I have a bond with them that is just beyond anything that I could imagine. Um, and my life has been transformed and I and their life has been transformed. And it has nothing to do with me. It's all thanks to God. Um, they, they are creative and they sing and they dance and they wanna play and, and they're playing soccer and they're doing all these things. Uh, and I'm there present to do those things with them. So I'm, 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 I'm very excited to hear that you are um, getting ready for foster parenting because I think all the love and acceptance that we receive from our higher power in this program and from our fellows, we can transmit that to our kids. And um, it's an amazing gift to them um, that comes from, from our higher power. Um, 
And um, yeah, thank you so much for your beautiful chair. I love to see um, your transformation. And I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Roberto. Next up, Leslie Kay, followed by Rewrite Recovery. Thank you, Robin. And thank you, Stephanie, for your share and for, for um, uh, touching on such a uh, lovely, you know, uh, moment that you're having of awareness and willingness and paying it forward and giving back to your community. That was just really, it really touched me too. Um, I'm struck. I, when I hear a vision for you, the, the final two paragraphs um, of a vision for you, it has always moved me so deeply. And when you read it, it was like I was hearing it for the first time, you know, just because it's just so rich with program, with hope, with commitment, with responsibility, personal responsibility. Um, and, and the juxtaposition of trudge the road, you know, walk with a weary step, trudge and road to happy destiny is like, that's, that's such a brilliant, um, example of exactly what it takes to, to work this program. I have to trudge, but I'm on a happy destiny. You know, it's like, it's like, there's no, um, free ride and I have to put in time every day or uh, I don't feel safe. And maybe that'll change for me, but I've relapsed so many times that I just, um, I wanna do it differently this time. And uh, when I listen to a vision for you, it has a lot of expectation of my behavior and my willingness to go to any lengths. And I have been willing to go to any lengths this time. And I, I feel, um, you know, like the, the insurance policy, you know, time in the bank. I am putting time in the bank for the day when I need to make that withdrawal. And that withdrawal is when I, uh, I can't feel the presence of my higher power. So I've got to put the time in the bank. And... Um, really build up my savings account because there are days uh, ahead. And I, I, I know that, um, but I'm willing to uh, believe today that as long as I continue to do the things I'm doing, I will have enough time in the bank to protect myself. I haven't experienced, I've almost got five months now of this current abstinence and I haven't experienced a day where I felt um, that I wasn't in uh, harmony with my recovery. And, uh, and so that's a beautiful thing. I just got back from LA. I went and visited my son. Is this it? Three minutes, yeah. Oh, by three. Okay, well, anyway, it was a fabulous visit because I wasn't in the food. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank, Thank you, Leslie. Um, it is now time to stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. So um, Robin, 